Welcome to the Completely Cricket Podcast, week three roundup of the IPL and Rob Key is managing director. Huge gamble or right decision? If you're watching on YouTube, these will be separate videos. But if you're listening to the podcast, then it will be all in one. Without further ado, let's get started. So when we're looking at the IPL this week, I think we should best to start with the table. Uh, the table is actually pretty interesting because uh, there's been a quite a bit of change because all the teams are in quite close points. Uh, most teams have played six matches, a couple have played five. Uh, I think Rajasthan Royals are playing currently while we're recording, so we're not going to include that match as part of our highlights, which we're going to talk about later. I think when looking at the table, for me, the first thing I notice is uh, the last position, the team with the wooden spoon at the moment, haven't won a single of their matches, is the Mumbai Indians, who have not zero points, who are pretty much a quite a big shadow of their, of their former selves and the, the five-time IPL winning team, uh, most recently in IPL 2020. It, it's a bit shocking, you know, it's just seeing them um, be last at the table because it's something that you never see. It's, it literally just doesn't happen. Zay, we did mention about why Mumbai Indians are stuck at the bottom. Is there, do you think there's anything more specific after six matches have been nearly half the season already? Is there some like key players that you could pinpoint that you could say that are um, pulling Mumbai Indians down and keeping the bottom of the table and any changes that they might make? I mean, it's, it's an interesting one. You know, Mumbai Indians, they never really, they've never really struggled this much. You know, they've lost six matches, which is not, not a good start at all. They're nearly halfway through. And they haven't really got any points. And I just think they really I don't I can't really pinpoint anyone, but maybe someone like Rohit Sharma, he's the captain, but he hasn't really scored many runs, which is not very good. He has had a couple of starts, but still he needs to get a move on. You know, he's relying on players such as Ishan Kishan, who's had a decent time of it, but still just a lot of their players just haven't really performed. And also I just think they've just lost a lot of their players, you know. By last year, uh, year before we had uh, excellent combination of Jasper Boomer and Trent Bolt opening the bowling. Now they've lost Trent Bolt and Boomer's not even opening bowling anymore. It's more like someone like Renard Cut or Tamar Mills. They're not opening bowling, but like they're one of the main bowlers, which is quite quite concerning actually because you have someone like Renard Cut. He's, I mean, he's not he's not the, the first bowler I'd look at. You know, when I look at an IPL side, I want to look at someone like Trent Bolt or Boomer, but he's actually turning out to be one of the most important bowlers, which is very concerning and I just think Mumbai is they this lacking of they obviously they've lacked confidence which is it's a kind of mental side of the game but I just think it's really their players they, they can't perform and obviously losing matches is going to make them um do even worse and I just think they just lost a lot of their players yeah, I think a lot of people, especially fans of other other teams other than Mumbai Indians, will pretty much just t- would pretty much say, you know, all the teams have had the mega auction, all the teams have had a big shuffle in their players, you know, obviously except for Gujarat Titans and Lucknow Super Giants because they're two new teams, but all the other teams have lost a lot of their key players. Yet there's still teams in the top four, top six who are doing really well. So why Mumbai specifically? Is it that you know their key players have been lost, or is it more to do with the players that they've got in replacement haven't been good enough? Yeah, it might be like that. I just think uh, it's just a little bit like, I wouldn't say it's the players that they've lost that are really crucial. Like, obviously, everyone's lost some crucial players. You know, some like Sunrisers are doing pretty well now. I mean, they've lost the first two. Then they won their next four, which is really, really good. And they lost some like Rashid Khan, which is a huge loss. They're still doing well. So I kind of think it's interesting. Like, Mumbai Indians, I mean, just their sort of replacements. You know, now at this point, they're kind of relying on someone like Del Brooks, who's not even 19 yet. And that, that's huge pressure on him. And he's, yes, he's performing, but you can't rely on someone who's so young, which is just, just that's not really acceptable. You've got to rely on your big players like Roach Sharma. Kyan Poyer has not had a good time with it. Ishan Kishan is still young. You know, all these players are just not performing. You know, these top teams, someone like uh, SRH, you know, they've got a young player, Abhishek Sharma is doing well. Kane Williamson is doing decently, or something like Rajasthan Royals. Everyone's lost some players, but it's Rajasthan was especially they've still got their big players performing all these top teams it's just Mumbai Indians they've lost players but I just think their top players are still not performing mm, so yeah I think that's I think that's pretty fair you know the key players that they've kept so they've decided to you know they try to keep the framework of their team they aren't performing so they're not really a framework anymore there's just nothing to build upon I think um for me I would pinpoint the bowling to be fair I just think that if you're going to, okay, Trent Bolt's gone and uh, you've lost a key part of, part of your uh, seam attack. And then um, Jasper Brumma's not opening the bowling, which I just think is ridiculous considering he's um, arguably India's best bowler and is better than any other bowler on the Mumbai Indians team by far. Um, 
I think it's just all the replacements have really struggled. You know, Timar Mills is not looked good at all. I just don't know. We've seen him do really well in the T20 blast and even for England. You know, he's had he's done well in franchises across the world. But when he's come to the IPL, he doesn't look like he's in control. Like some a key element of like Timar Mills' bowling is, you know, being able to execute those Yorkers, slur balls with complete control. But he doesn't really seem like he can control where the ball's going. And that's actually worrying as a bowler, as a pace bowler, because... If you're going to bowl balls that just can be, you know, freebies that can be easily hit, you're going to be hit in the IPL because of the quality of the batters. This isn't like, you know, some uh, club game where, you know, if you bowl a bad ball, you, the chances are you're not going to be hit for us. It's, it's like the top stage. Uh, in terms of um, India, sorry, Mumbai Indians batting, you did mention, you know, they've got they've got three young players in their top four. They've got Dale Brevis, uh, Ishan Kishan, and I think, is it Tilak Sharma, I think? Um, yeah. yeah, so they've got three young players as long as, with um, Rohit Sharma as well, making up the top four, for example. Surya Kumar Yadav, number five. When you've, got, when you've got three young players, you can't expect them to perform every single day in, day out. So they're like, you know, hit and miss players. Then you've got your two sort of rocks of the team you should sort of feel is like Surya Kumar Yadav and Rohit Sharma. Neither has been performing really well. Do you think there's anyone that Mumbai needs having their squad that could be like, replaced or anything you know to to share to like um move move the squad so take some people out put new ones in that could like just give Mumbai that boost they need to you know perform the rest of the season yeah I don't really think so and even if there was like would you really want to get another like new player young player already like you've got three as you said in that top top four if you, you want to find more players that's, that's not really going to be any good like you need you still need experience which is which is the issue that Mumbainers have got, I think. You know, they, they've made so many changes. They've got so many young players in their team and the experienced players are really struggling, but you can't really bring any more uh, young players in, which is really the issue. And Mumbainers, they've really got to get get, get some work something like that. Okay, it doesn't look like they're going to do well for the rest of this season, but they've got to look in the future, you know. Something like, something like um, they, they need to look at what they're going to do next year. They've got to start making plans now, trying out new stuff in matches, you know. Now, now obviously, it depends on how what status is in the camp, you know. They still think that they've got a chance, which I don't think they do. But they, they, obviously, a lot of IPL teams are pretty optimistic. But if, if, they, if, they, if they decided that, okay, this may not be our year, then they, they should, I would... I would think they would should just try out new things, try out new combinations, which is what they've been doing. But they just could keep going, keep trying, and then look at next year and the year after. So I don't, I just don't think they can really swap out yet for for more young players, new more new players. I don't think there's anyone in that squad that can really replace the likes of Roach It's just like or or also Kamiyada. These players are like really good. It's just they're just not performing at the moment, which is really the issue that Mumbai's have got. Yeah, I think I think we sort of got come to a conclusion that you know Mumbai have got to find it within themselves to you know start performing in their batting, and their bowling's obviously lost a lot of its potential. You know, it's the the quality in the bowling's completely gone. I think, and they've they've got as I I think I mentioned this last episode, they've sort of hoovered up some talent that like sorry hoovered up players that aren't really have been sort of discarded by previous IPL franchises in like previous years. Like people like Marugan Ashwin, like as a spinner, like he he's a he's a main like spinner as a leg spinner, and he has very limited control and rarely takes wickets. Just gets flogged every match, and the Mumbai Indians are in the position where they have to play him because they don't really have any other alternative, and that's dangerous. You know, players like Rahul Chahar was like instrumental to M- Mumbai's performances over the last few years. You know, he's been he's such a good spinner, and he plays for the India team as well, which means it shows how good he is and they've lost him and then their replacement isn't at that same level. So yeah, it's just generally a combination of, you know, batters not performing, not got a good quality bowling attack, but hopefully they can find it within themselves and at least win a few matches to put them in contention of finishing the top four, but it's going to be tough. I think the sort of the opposite to Mumbai, Sunrisers Hyderabad, you know, last couple of seasons have been, you know, pretty much rock bottom most, um, most times they haven't really performed well. They lost their first two matches. A lot of people thought, you know, it's the same thing as usual. But then they won the next four on the spot. And now they're in the top four. They're actually fourth place. And they're looking really comfortable. I was just having a look at the um, look at the, the results of Mumbai um, Sunrisers uh, over the last last four matches, the ones they've won. And I think a noticeable trend is that they're keeping the um, the other team to like a very low total. So, for example, last match, they kept uh, Punjab Kings 151 all out. Uh, the match before, KKR 175 for eight. These are all chaseable totals. 
So do you think what's really changed is their bowling attack because like suddenly started firing or do you think it could also be the batting as well that's given them that confidence for the bowlers to, you know, to bowl with freedom? I think, I think it's a bit of both really, you know, like the bowlers, that they've really started performing now. The first few matches, really struggling. You know, the first match, Rodstone Rules got like 200 or so. And then I just think it's a bit of both, you know, the bowlers have really started performing. They've brought the scores down much more. And it was also like, even when there's like, I think when they played KKR, the KKR, they still got respectable total. It was 170 or 180. And SRH still chased that down. So it's it's like the bowlers have brought that, that score down. So it's easy for the batsmen. But even when there is like a decent total on the board, the batsmen have, um, the batsmen have shown what they can do and have actually uh, chased it down pretty comfortably, I think. Yet another trend I've noticed is that they've chased it down with, Quite a lot of wickets to spare. It's always like, you know, they've chased down with eight wickets to spare, seven wickets to spare, you know, nine wickets to spare, whatever. It's, it's just like their top top four, top five is doing, uh, is performing much more now. Someone like Abhishek Sharma, really, he's, he's pretty young, but he's he's shown some great form with the bat and he's doing pretty well. So I just think it's a bit of both, not just the bowling. They, you know, I think it's like the bowling has brought down the scores, making it easier for the batsmen who are now cashing in and being able to comfortably chase these scores down, with, which which improves their net run rate as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think another trend I was just looking as well, that they've, all these matches, the last four that they've won, they've um, bowled first. So I think you mentioned in a few episodes ago, I think about the due factor and the fact that, you know, as the, as you, if you bat um, second, uh, the, the bowlers who bowl second, um, don't have much control over the um, ball as much, you know. They especially um, spinners as well. So I think that might be a, that might be playing into it. You know, the fact that they're batting uh, second, they've bowled, they've had a good amount, and then now the new bowl ball, um, the new bowlers will just struggle a little bit more, and they capitalising on it because, um, as you said, they've had one by seven wickets, seven wickets, eight wickets, and eight wickets in the last four matches, which is a lot of wickets in the IPL, and that just shows how solid their batting is. And then when they're bowling, um, they're doing the exact same thing. They're getting teams out. Really quickly so it's, it's been really good you know it's it's a proper team effort i think but yeah uh anyway i think we'll move on to the highlights of the week for me um there were there are quite a few big innings you know i i think in terms of matches like there the, are the three or four key matches i think i think first one was um gujarat titans versus rajdan royals uh this was this was a good match because it sort of represented something that we've been talking about on the completely cricket podcast which is that the team that silences joss butler pretty much always wins. So like when you play Rajasthan Royals, like, you know, if Josh Butler can't, if Josh Butler can only score maximum like 50, 55, you're well within a chance of winning. But if he goes on and scores big innings, scores quickly, scores centuries, like it's, it's just, you're, he's just not stoppable. Like if you let him go past the 50 mark, you know, you've lost the match because he's going to go for a big score. He doesn't really get out in like the low fifties very often. So um, in the match, Gujarat Titans versus Rajasthan Royals, Josh Butler did get out for, I think in the low fifties. It's a very rare occasion. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Gujarat Titans scored 199 for four, and Rajasthan Royals scored 155 for nine. And uh, yeah, so I think it was a good example of what we're talking about. Uh, any other highlights of that match? Did you say? Zay, um, do you think, Zaid? Yes. Uh, um, it's just like I think for that match in particular, it's like the, the way that Butler got signed was Lockie Ferguson's incredible slow Yorker, which was quite quite brave of him to actually try that, and especially when you've got um, someone like Josh Butler who's completely firing he was on he's going at over 200 strike rate so yeah as you said it's like, kind of like the team that sciences Butler wins you know uh, Rajasthan Royals they got off to a flyer with Butler but then they just couldn't find their A game for the rest of that match so it's just like um, it's, it's, you could call it a bit of a concern for uh, Rajasthan because like you can't just rely on Butler because you can't you can't get those big 70s 80s 100s every match you know he still scored pretty well he scored a third of Rajasthan's final runs, which is, yeah, it's good, but I don't think um, Rajasthan, they've got to have, uh, I think, other players step up. You know, someone like Sandri Sampson, who's a great player, but he has been a bit low runs recently. You know, other players, Yun Jaiswal was left out recently. And like these sorts of players, they just need to step up a little bit more, I think. And like then they can score more runs and they don't have to rely on Butler, who will, when they get out, to... Um, some maybe some great ball, maybe we'll just get out and like Lockie Ferguson, he showed his capabilities with that uh, slow Yorker, which is excellent. Yeah, no, I completely agree. 
yeah, I, I think that it's, it's, it's for me, I think that Rajan Royals do have a chance of winning the IPL, but they've got to stop relying on Josh Butler. You know, it's not, IPL isn't a one man thing. It's not even if someone scores 600 rounds a season, you need the other bowlers to fire, you need other batters to fire. Otherwise, you can't make totals of 180 plus regularly. So that's something Rajan Royals really need to look at to strengthen their batting order because they, at the start of the, um, uh, just before the IPL started, the auction stuff, we did mention that Rajasthan did look quite um, light in batting, and it's shown it's shown in the matches that uh, that Josh Butler hasn't fired. Obviously, he's an international talent, and he's probably their best player, but you know he can't you can't expect him to fire every every match. Nevertheless, he's doing good while he's while he's scoring. You know, I think he just scored a century while we're recording this episode. I think he's um I think they're playing against uh, Delhi Capitals and he scored a century. So you know, while he fires, he's giving them a good chance. Uh, another good Yorker was actually on display, and this is by um, Umran Malik in KKR versus Sunrisers Hyderabad. Uh, uh, KKR scored 175 for eight, and Sunrisers Hyderabad to- uh, scored 176 for three in 17.5. We did talk about Sunrisers just before, but um, this match, I think, uh, for me, it was short showed the progression of the Sunrisers uh, because um, Umran Malik versus Shreyas Ayer, his Yorker. It was um, like nearly 150 kilometers an hour, so rapid. Everyone knows Imran Malik is a rapid bowler. He's well known for that. But something that we haven't really seen recently is control, like especially last season. He didn't get too many chances either. I think as the IPL is going, do you think Imran Malik starting to show a bit more control over his um, bowling in general? You know, like letting in less runs because as a fast bowler, as fast as him, if you get a tiny bit of bounce on it, it's going to fly. So he needs that control. What do you think, Zay? Do you think he's evolving as a bowler? It definitely needs that control. And I think I think he is gaining a little bit more control now. Now he's gain, gaining a bit more IPL experience, gaining a bit more experience at that top level of playing uh, against some great players. And I think he I think a, a bit of a trend I saw was that he was getting really the same figures and going at nine, ten and over and being like one, two wickets every match. And then um he, he he's doing pretty well now. You know, you bowl that excellent, excellent ball to Shreya uh, he's bowling pretty quick, 150, 153 clicks an hour. But uh, I don't think pace pace is very good. But especially now in the modern day, uh, I don't think pace is the main thing now. It's more like you got it. Someone like um, um Yadav, who who's not the quickest. He is pretty quick, but he's not the quickest. And but he just has consistent line length and gets a nice swing, which is why he's getting all his wickets. Someone like Umar Malik, he doesn't do that, but he uh, he's learning and. He's coming through the ranks and he's got some really good pace to ball in the middle, ball the death and stuff. I just think his control, it's coming. It's lacking at the moment, but it's coming. It's I think with experience, it'll come even more. So the more he plays IPO, um, the more he keeps playing cricket with top players, you know, in the IPO and stuff like that. Um, I think by the end of the season, he'll be looking pretty good and I think he'll be ready for next season, um, maybe maybe in future international cricket, etc. So I think his control is coming and with experience it'll come even more. Yeah, something that um interested me is that their bowl um sunrises are bowling Umran Malik towards in the middle overs, like starting him his spell normally starts around over eight, nine, and then he continues throughout and they do bowl him like one or two in the um death overs. I just don't see the point. If you obviously considering how he's been quite expensive, like very expensive in the IPL in general last season and this season, I would. Re- why would you put him up top at the start? Like I would put him bowling. Uh, what first? You know, open the bowling or bowl um along alongside the other bowler in the opening pair, just because then um just right rile the batsman, your top batsman, get them like you know on their toes, get them you know nervous that short ball or fast deliveries. You know, and and you can easily make inroads into the batting, and also you won't lend many runs because generally you have seen um that IPL batters um a lot at least more than half the matches. You know, they're very they're quite tentative at the start. You know, they're not gonna unless unless the um the bowlers bowling you know, absolute in the slot deliveries, they're not gonna go out and try and slog you. So I think you know, do you think that is the best the best um strategies to bowl um Umar Malik at the start and then give him a couple of the death, or do you think bowling him in the middle is a good idea? It's an interesting one. You know, at the top, you know, sunrise they've got and Mubinish Kumar, who I definitely want to see him continue bowling at the top. He's a great bowler. And the other one, they've got Marco Janssen, who's inexperienced, but he's actually doing pretty well. So Umar Malik, it might be difficult for him to go get into that top. And I just think when you come against someone like Rajasthan Royals, you know, with Josh Butler, he's 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 a good player of pace and he's gonna, you know, he's gonna bring out all his scoops and all that. He's gonna hit hit him for six and four, which is interesting. I mean, it's possible, but I think for me, 
I would bowl him depending on the situation. I wouldn't want to bowl Umran Malik to a set batsman, especially because this is why I don't want him bowling over eight or nine unless it's a new batsman. The only time I want Umran Malik bowling is to a new batsman because a new batsman may not find it that easy to play serious pace. You know, they might want to play maybe some spin or something, someone like um, a bit of a, like a medium pace or a fast bowler, but not too quick. So uh, for me, not not a new batsman at the top. So as I said, someone like Josh Butler will cash in and literally I'm sure he's going to hit hard. And But he could bowl at the top. But I just think the main thing for me, Umar Malik has got to bowl to new batsmen because that's where I think the new batsmen are going to be most vulnerable. You know, um, They'll be able to, Umar Malik can get his pace and get those full balls, short balls, whatever, and uh, uh, rough up the batsmen. So I think for me, Umar Malik has got to bowl to new batsmen. Yeah, that makes sense. But um, if I give you a scenario, how about if um, Bhuvaneshwar Kumar hasn't done too well? You know, he's been slugged a bit because I'm not convinced by Bhuvaneshwar Kumar. Like, he's, he's at times he's been, like, you know, integral to the England, uh, sorry, the India team. And then sometimes, you know, he's been a bit in and out with injury as well. I just don't think, because he's not very fast. <coughs> excuse me. If he swings the ball, you know, in the opening overs, I think he's pretty effective, but... No, I just don't, I don't know, I don't really see what Supers, he's not exactly a special bowler, you know, for India. I think if India, I would open with, like, you know, uh, Jasper Bumrah and then open with, like, Mohamed Shami as well, you know. I, I don't know what Bhuvaneshwar Kumar just sort of seems like you're, he's not really, he's sort of your average bowler. So why would you, um, no, if you, if um, Bhuvaneshwar Kumar um, or Marco Jansen gets, um, starts getting hit a bit, would you continue going with them and bowl in two overs each, you know, or three overs, you know, each, and then their spell of six, or would you put Imran Malik in straight away? Yeah, so if that happened, you know, Bumbis Wakuma, if I continue Bumbi uh, and Marco Janssen, continuing them to bowl at the top, then the issue comes and I can't bowl Imran Malik because then there's, he's not going to be able to bowl to a new batsman. So then maybe he try him at the top and see see how it goes. Maybe, maybe in one game they've, Maybe not now at this point because Sunrise are doing pretty well. They want to continue their run and maybe um, they look look to get stay in that top four and get into the um, playoffs and stuff. But maybe at some point have a go and run Malik at the top because if 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 both those opening bowlers are struggling, then the batsmen are going to come into those middle overs pretty set. And Umar Malik, I, I can't really bowl him at a set batsman. I've got to bowl him at a new batsman as, as I pointed out earlier. So. Uh, in that case, then I would have a go at Umar at the top and see how that goes. And then if, if he does well, then maybe have another go at the top. But if he doesn't do well, then he can stay in the middle how he's doing. Yeah, that I, I think that makes sense. I think that's the, the one you know factor you have to have is put him to a new new batter. If you put him to a set batter, you know, with his pace, even if they edge it or something, it's just going to go flying. And you see that with a lot of fast bowlers, this IPO, you know, with batters who swing the bat like with a lot of rapid bat speed, you know, with the speed of the ball, it will just go flying for six, even if it was a good ball. Anyway, I think uh, something else I want to talk about is, I think is pretty important, is Aaron Finch, because he's been um, a key part of Australia's uh, limited overs former uh, teams for years. He's been um, uh, very, he, over the, all across the world, he's been very good in uh, T20I cricket and, um, sorry, T20 cricket and ODI cricket. Uh, in, in the IPL and in general, since the 2019 World Cup, there's been a pretty rapid decline. You know, he's he's hasn't scored a significant innings in a while. It's sort of similar to Owen Morgan as well, who hasn't really performed up to those heights uh, since 2019, where one of the highlights of his um, uh, World Cup was uh, the 146 not out, I think, against um, Afghanistan, where he hit like 16 sixes. Is there a, do you think there's a key reason for why Aaron Finch just hasn't been able to score and has been on a decline since 2019 World Cup? Bearing in mind, it's nearly been three years, so it's quite a big, quite a long time of a decline. Yeah, I think the funny thing is he he just I was actually interested to talk about it today, and he just scored a fifty today, which is quite oh, interesting. Wow. But yeah, um, so the thing is like obviously uh, we'll, we we're going to talk more about today's match next week. So I guess yeah, you can talk about Aaron Finch and Owen Morgan. You know, Owen Morgan really struggled last year in the IPL. He could not get any form, which was really concerning because they're both great players you know we've seen them Aaron Finch and, and Morgan they've, they've for their respective countries they've done absolutely incredible but the thing is Aaron Finch yeah he, he's been a bit of a decline since the World Cup you know he was doing well but he, he he just maybe maybe takes some time off you know someone like Ben Stokes he he's a great player but 
he had some issues with the mental side, so he took some time off cricket. So if that, if Aaron Finch ever feels like he needs that, then maybe not too much, because obviously he needs to come back and get that time to form. Because like he's not got all day, he's not got that many years left because he can't he can't just take too many breaks. But I think maybe have a short term, you know, just just quick short break in cricket. Maybe go back to the BBL in Australia, something like that, and just play, keep batting. You know, he he's just gonna keep batting. That's why I think. And, He's, you know, batsmen are out of form. There's no point just just trying to trying to find some form and just looking for runs in every single match you play. You've got to have some matches where you're just there to stay. You you just got to face as many balls as possible. You know, just to get back into a bit of touch, which is what Aaron Finch used to do at the moment. Which we'll we'll, we'll see how he continues after his fifty today. But um, I just think that's what he's going to keep doing. Just keep batting and. Just look to um, find some more touch. You know, Owen Morgan. I'm mean, just to see how he does when he next plays for England. Like, if he occasionally can ever again, I'm not sure. But yeah, we're, wherever we'll, uh, we're interested to see what happens to them too, and how how they go about uh, trying to find trying to find their form and trying to find their performances again. Mm. The reason why this decline is actually so big as well is because he's coming towards. I think he's coming towards the end of his career. You know, he's 35 years old. Uh, he is the captain uh, ODI and T20I team, so Australia. But with his performances, you know, he's going to be considering his spot as well. So I think it is really important he, um, you know, starts scoring 50s. As you said, he scored one this match. But um, hopefully continue that run. I think it's also to do with, I, I don't know, to me it sort of just seemed like a batsman didn't really care that much when I was watching him play. You know, I saw a few, couple of his dismissals and I watched it. I've been following a little bit. Like the way he's getting out is sort of just like the most, you know, it's not like the typical Aaron Finch, you know, brutal batting but controlled batting it was more like you know I'm just going to swing at the bat and hope for the uh, swing at the ball and hope for the best and get out really easily it was not very it wasn't Aaron Finch always has this like sort of charisma around him you know very strong batter but also he's in control it's not as if the bowler's controlling him but it's not looking like that anymore it's looking like the bowler's controlling him so that's something for him to look at I think I think it's just got to even if you're going in the worst run of form you got to stick to what you're good at you can't just you know, ugly swipes at the ball that just um, just for sake of it, because the ball's in, nearby you isn't going to help. It's going to get you out, and and he's seen that I think. But yeah, I think it's just got to be really careful. Uh, another another highlight of this week, I think, um, Lucknow Super Giants versus Mumbai Indians. For me, as a Mumbai Indian fan, this is a match was, we were hoping to win. You know, just to get rid of that um, lost streak, but we did lose this match. And primarily, well, there was the bowling was at fault pretty much, but there was also Kara who's um, pretty amazing century. Uh, Kara, who to me, would you agree with this? I think he's a bit of an understated player in the IPL and in generally in cricket. You know, he's he scored so many fifties in the IPL. He's been ever present for um, in the top uh, run scoring charts for uh, various different franchises over the last few years. Do you think he's a bit of an underrated player in general? Yeah, I think he's a little bit underrated. You know, I think he is like people are kind of coming to know him now and uh, starting to rate him now, but. I think like last couple of years he was doing great but even even in india he wasn't i don't, I don't think now he does but in a few years ago he didn't have a fixed pace in the side which is not good but i thought he was doing pretty well in the ipo and everywhere he was playing so i just think he, yeah he was underrated but i think now he's he's getting he's being he's getting some uh he's made a statement and obviously he's getting some uh people are starting to rate him and i just think he needs to continue what he's doing. You know, it's difficult sometimes when people just don't. You're a bit. You're underrated. And people just don't rate you. All you can do, you can't really just talk. You can't say anything because they're not going to listen. So you kind of just have to continue your performances and keep going. So uh, it's difficult for Kerala, but I just think he's got to continue his excellent runs so far. I think he's he's hit some he's hit excellent so many runs so far, and just think he needs to continue this and just get his, um continue his excellent form. And, just get, just keep going with um, an excellent statement, and he will. People will start to know who, who he is, and yeah, I would have to agree with it. He's a little underrated. Yeah, I think I think people do know who he is, like as, especially in India and generally. You know, I think he's become very. Like I think the IPL, I think he's just a bit understated, just because you know he isn't like your. When you think of IPL, you think of people like Virat Kohli, Chris Gale, um, Ab Davili, Ab Davilias, and you, you think of like these big players. You don't really think about. Um, Kale Rahul, but even though he's probably been last couple of seasons, he's been the top scorer, I think. So, you know, it's, it's just a bit of um, uh, him. I think that he has a shot of uh, captaincy for India, you know, with Rohit Sharma struggling for form in internationally 
and um, in the IPL, where IPL is like the main you know tournament for players to get form back, in, especially in India. Do you think um, Carol who has a chance to become the uh, captain for long term? I think he's like 29 now, I'm not sure. So he's got at least a few years, five years ahead of him. Do you think he could be like the next captain after, as the Virat Kohli era sort of ended? Definitely. I think Rohit Sharma is definitely just a temporary captain. I, I'm sure he wasn't going to, he's not going to continue on for much longer. Obviously he's struggling to perform, you know, he's, we all know he's a great player, but he's definitely struggling to perform at the moment, IPL and internationally. So, I think uh, Kerr Rahul, he, he's definitely looking at a leadership role. I'm not sure he's a vice-captain of India at the moment, but uh, I just think um, Kerr Rahul is definitely looking at the future. He's got so many years to go, you know, eight, nine years, he can continue on playing. And I just think he's going to, he's definitely maybe a long-term success of a captaincy. Mm. Um, the last match we're going to talk about in uh, the highlights of the week is Gujarat Titans versus Chennai Super Kings. This was... Um, uh, a good match because there's two standout batting performances. One by David Miller, who's been a bit on and off in his career so far. He's done pretty well for South Africa, you know, at, at times. In the IPL, not as well. And um, also Gaikwad, who scored 73 or 48. Miller's was 94, not out of 51. Um, you might have noticed we're talking a lot about batting uh, batting innings, just because uh, this I feel like this week's quite batting dominated as such. You know, there were a lot of clear standout batting performances. There weren't as many good bowling performances. But anyway, uh, I think we'll start with David Miller. 94 not out of 51. It was a stunning innings and it um, really catapulted Gujarat Titans and it gave him the win. <coughs> Excuse me. With David Miller, you know, he's not really your household name, even though he's a really good batter. You know, he has that power to completely change an in innings. He sort of, you know, he sort of, sort of reminds you of A.B. de Villiers. He comes in normally four or five and he's done that. He's been like, he's played a lot of different form, um different franchises in his uh, IPL career. He's played for, he played for Rajasthan Royals last season, didn't really click. Gujarat Titans now. Um, why do you think he's started scoring runs now? Why do you think, was there something that Gujarat Titans gave him that uh, didn't, you know, didn't that 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 other franchises didn't and that platform? Well, what do you think has just made it change, um, Zaid? It's a difficult one. I'm not really sure. You know, David Miller, he's, he's, he's a good player. He's obviously shown last couple of innings in the IPL doing really well. I just think maybe, uh, yeah, it might just be like the new, it might just be something in the Gujarat Titans, you know, in that camp somewhere, maybe coaching style, maybe the players that he's talking to, you know, the, uh, the, sorry, not the, players, the coaches the, um, in that coaching staff, in that dressing room, and maybe the people, uh, the mentors he's talking to, maybe that's kind of helped him to um, get gain some like strength in mentally and being able to show what he can actually do, which is, Excellent, but yeah, I just think it's something like that. It's not a clear thing to me what how he's able to score now or get do well because everyone knows that he is a great player. He has so much capability. You know, we knew that in 2016 T20 World Cup, for example, he did well there. Then just continued. Then he kind of went quiet, and I just think it might just be the dressing room change that's got him back on track. Mm. See, if we compare last season, this season, I think last season he had the um, he was coming in quite late towards the uh, very end of the innings, last couple of overs, didn't have any time to settle himself and you know actually perform in innings as a number. He was probably about like five, six, sometimes even seven. Uh, this season, though, in this match um, against CSK, I think he came in like 24 for three or something, three wickets down very quickly. Do you think that the fact that he was given a lot of time to settle in, he came in like at the fifth, sixth over, you know, 15 overs to bat, you know, to make a, um, to produce an innings. Do you think that's really helped him, you know, giving him that uh, opportunity to shine just because he has a lot more time rather than coming in and having to slog it and then scoring like, you know, either just getting out very quickly or scoring uh, like a lot of runs off like a couple of balls, you know, 20 off 10, 14 off six, for example. Do you think that the time has really helped him? Yeah, actually, I just think um, maybe it's that finisher role isn't actually suiting him. Maybe that's not actually his sort of role maybe he kind of forced himself into it because we all know he can hit hard maybe is that actually he should bat slightly up the order you know four four five and then just give himself time to build an innings as he said and he, he then he can power through the later stages when he's actually looking like he's enjoying himself and he's looking in form so I think it's it might be that his lower order position just wasn't for him and I think maybe uh, higher up the order and in, in, in the upper middle order, something like four or five is might, might be more more suited to him. Mm. I think also with Hardik Pandya missing, he made a very good um, 
use of that opportunity. So hopefully, you know, they can Gujarat Titans will see this and see the fact that he's they that they lost wickets early and he came in. And hopefully, if this situation comes again, you know, keep him as a number five. But if it if we lose a couple of wickets early, bring him in to sort of steady the ship but keep the run rate flowing. Because 9451 is a, a very good, you know, he's he scored runs very quickly, which is impressive. Anyway, the second innings we're going to talk about is um Rituraj Gaikwad's innings, 73 or 48. Uh, I think the key thing to that we have to mention as well is that the 50 that he scored was off 37 balls. So the next 23 runs are scored off 11. He hasn't really clicked this IPL. And if you look at 50 of 37, immediately, you know, you see that it was quite, a, it was not, the, it was not a fast 50. It was a pretty slow 50. Do you think this patient approach is really helping his performances? You know, considering last season, you know, he lit up the IPL. He scored loads of runs, nearly 600 runs, I think. Um, this season hasn't clicked. Do you think that the fact that he's taking a lot of time to score 50 and then accelerating, do you think that's really helping him as a batter? Absolutely. I think that, especially when you're really in need of runs, you've got to take your time. And it's just kind of like that thing that's going to happen to you automatically. You know, when you can't, you're struggling to score. You're not going to try to go hard at the beginning. You're really definitely going to, especially as an opener, you're going to try to take a little bit more time, obviously not taking too much time. 50 or 37 isn't that slow, but it's not the fastest we've seen, but isn't too slow. It's not like 50 or 45 or something. So I think it's more like um, Bagquad, he's looked, he looks so much more comfortable in that innings after he got going, you know, when he was on like 20 or 14 or whatever. And after, after that, he was just looking pretty comfortable and, he was able to uh, accelerate after he got his 50. So I think a patient approach is definitely better for him, especially after you're really struggling for runs. Mm, I think this is 100%. One thing for certain is that there's a good learning experience for him. You know, there's if you're struggling or if this if the conditions are tough, you've got to dig in, even in a T20 match. 20 over, 120 balls. That's a lot of time to bat. And there's always opportunity to score in the middle overs when bowlers, you know, putting on spinners, for example, or in the death overs where, um, you know, you just get for a license to hit. You know, there's, there's different opportunities. As an opener, you've got to score runs. That's the one staple, you know. Even if you don't score them too quickly, that's up to the rest of your batters, you know, four, five, six to start scoring quick runs. But yeah, on to the next part of this episode, which is we're just going to talk about the um, who we think is a top wicket taker, who will be the top wicket taker for this season, also the top run score uh, prediction. So I think um, top wicket taker this season. See, at the moment, I think it is um, Umesh Yadav. But uh, hmm, I don't really know. It's a tough one for me. I, I think Umesh Yadav, if he can sustain his performances, I think he could con- easily continue. But that's the thing. He's got to sustain his performances. Otherwise, he's not really going to, um, he won't be able to, you know, uh, he won't be able to uh, keep it up. Um, hmm, I don't really know. Uh, maybe... I think I think Chahal has a chance. I think Chahal has a chance. Um, but yeah, I think at the moment, sorry, I'm, I'm wrong. You may have uh, I think it's Chah- Chahal at the moment with 17 wickets in six matches. But I, you know what? I think I've decided. Uh, I think it's Natarajan. Natarajan by far. Just because um, I, I, as a, I'm one of, I'm a fan of him and I think he's a really good bowler. And I'm just hoping that, you know, he's, he's taken quite a few wickets this season already. So hopefully he can contain, contain that. And the fact that he's got that pinpoint Yorker, I think just puts him further than the rest. Who do you think is going to be the top wicket taker of, the, of um, this IPL? Me, it's got to be Chahal, you know. He's doing really well. I think he just got a firefight today as well, which is really, really good. So I just think um, this year, I think top five, top ten even, is going to be dominated by... Lexman is especially, I think. I think he's done so well. And just funny thing I've just noticed that I'm a leg spinner and I've gone with a leg spinner and you're a left arm seam and you've gone with a Natarajan who's a left arm seamer. Quite interesting. So, um, yeah, so I think it's going to be uh, Yuzven and Chahal. I just think he's, he's really good and he's consistently performing, which is excellent. But a lot contended, you know, Natarajan's up there and so like Umash Yadav. But I think it's going to be Chahal. Yeah, why, why do you think, why is it um, that I'm just looking at the top wicket takers now? I think in the top 10, there are one, two, three, four leg spinners. Why leg, why leg spinners, you know, finding it especially um, finding it especially good in the IPL? This, and they've done it last season as well, you know, you had Rashid Khan, Shahal at the top as well. Um, why are leg spinners finding it uh, taking so many wickets in the IPL? That, that's an interesting one because I'm not, I'm not really sure about that because, like, you need these sorts of leg spinners that that maybe because uh, like the pitches it hasn't it hasn't really turned much you know I think yesterday Raul Jarrah he had a pretty decent turning pitch but 
other than that, it hasn't turned much. But I just think a lot of the, these spinners, you know, like Hasaranga or Chahal, you know, these sorts of bowlers, they've got, they're not just one leggy, they've got the googly as well. You know, someone like um, Chahal as well. These, these Chahal and Chahal, uh, these sorts of bowlers, they've all got their googly and they've got other variations. So it might just be that these guys are really enjoying themselves with the, the different variations of their bowling. And I just think it might, might be some stuff on, on the pitch as well, maybe some bounce or, or it might just be that a lot of the batsmen, they're playing for the turn, but they're not getting enough turns. So, I just think it's stuff like that. I just think it is a couple of combinations of um, uh, things that are helping leg spinners dominate this year. Yeah, I think um, I think it's also got to do with the fact that leg spinners to the right-handed batter, which is a more common batter, uh, they are turning it away from the a right-handed leg spinner is turning away from the uh, right-handed batter. So you know, it takes a lot more chance to get out because it's turning away. And that's why a player like Liam Livingston, who can bowl off spin to a left-hander and um, leg spin to a right-hander, turns it away and he takes wickets as well, even though he's a part-timer. I think the fact that he's just turning it away to the batter means that they're, they're slashing at it and therefore hitting it a lot higher up and getting a lot of catches rather than turning into them, which is they'll find it a lot more in their comfort zone to hit it straight down the ground or just hit it leg side. In terms of uh, top run score, at the moment it's Josh Butler and by quite far, considering he's just scored a century as well. So um, he's on 375. Second is Shreyas Ayo with 236. Uh, I think a surprise in the top 10 is Sherman Hetmeyer, who we haven't really seen very much in the top 10. 223. Levy Livingston, 224. Uh, for me, I've got to say Josh Butler. As an England fan, obviously, Josh Butler, 375 runs already, not even half the season. He should be looking to get at least 700 runs. Push... Um, uh, what's it called? Sorry, push uh, Rajasthan Royals into the um, uh, semis and hopefully get them a, 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 a IPL title because they could possibly do that well with Josh Butler in this type of form, averaging seventy-five and top score of one hundred and three. I think he could easily, um, you know, score seven hundred runs and really propel them and score big totals. How about you? What do you think? Definitely going with Josh Butler. Like he's looked so good so far. He's got centuries. He's got everything. You know. He's only halfway through the season. He's got two centuries, which is absolutely incredible. And, you know, he's played, what, seven, six games, something like that. So, he's got to be Josh Pilot, you know, like, no questions asked there. I just think he's just looking too good. And I don't think anyone's going to be able to catch him. Yeah, I know. Me neither. It's just, you know, a 100-run gap already. It's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Anyway, we're going to go to the next sort of part of our um, of the podcast. Uh, on YouTube, this will be a separate video. But uh, this is the Rob Key as Managing Director huge gamble or the right decision uh this week in english cricket has been a bit of an upheaval uh we've had joe root step down as captain um he is the most successful english captain uh, english test captain uh, of uh, as of today and uh, what he has um he's won the most tests but however the last year's you know i think it was one win in 12 test matches one win two draws and nine losses was just unacceptable i think for all the english fans everyone knew he was going to you know eventually um eventually uh, stepped down but it was just a, a question of when and he did step down to, um he stepped down a lot in the last couple of days also rob key was named as the managing director i think the more important uh thing that's happened is rob key as managing director because as the managing director of the ecb you've got to name the captain you're going to name your uh, the next coach and that's really influential these are a couple of really important decisions that key has to make in order to uh make sure that the success of um, english cricket you know succeeds uh, they continue succeeding in the uh, red ball and white ball uh, format. So uh, I think for me, just seeing Root step down, I'm just questioning the timing. I just don't understand why do it now. If you really wanted, because there was a lot of talk about, uh, <coughs> excuse me, there was a lot of talk about the um, red ball reset. Do you not think that it would have been better, Zay, to step down just after the end of the Ashes series when, Everyone was talking about, you know, we're going to have a reset for the West Indies series rather than stay on the West Indies series, um, you know, not play well, uh, not not the team not do very well and pick, you know, selection issues with Broad and Anderson, things like that, just even further ruin Root's reputation as a captain. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's just the wrong timing. You know, like, you're literally doing it during the Red Bull reset, which is not what you want. Like, you can't have changes after you've started your reset. Like, if, he's, if he doesn't want to... Uh, do it after the ashes and I would say just continue a bit longer which obviously is not the best idea but it's just the wrong time it just brings like just makes things more a bit difficult for Rob Key now like he but even Rob Key's coming during the Red Bull reset and I just think it's the wrong timing like he's just got to he's got to be a bit more careful when he makes huge decisions like this 
So I just think he should have stepped down after the Ashes because that was just, just feels like the right decision, really, after the Ashes. He, he just, he's done so much for England, so I just think after the Ashes would have been a better time. Yeah, obviously, it takes time to get, um, you know, managing director, people like um, uh, your coach and stuff. But for Root to step down, yeah, I just don't get it because if, if he, because he continued for the West Indies series, it sort of suggests that people in the, in the hierarchy of um, the ECB think that he should have, conti- you know, he was the long-term, uh, long-term captain. You know, they wanted him. It's not as if, uh, there is the, obviously the alternative that they were just having them there just because they needed a captain, you know, for that series. And just so that, you know, the whole the whole series wouldn't fall into a shambles without a captain and everything, you know, a proper captain. But, like, I just don't understand. It, it's just really delayed the process, I think. It's really delayed it because if he had stepped down, we could have, um, the interim, you know, uh, manager director, interim coaches could have looked for a new captain, you know, and, and that would have been ready by the time the real, the proper managing director came. So I just think it was all a bit of a, it was just a wrong timing for Rue. I think if he'd done it, he could have saved a bit more of his reputation. And also he could have just assisted English cricket in finding the next captain, finding the next managing director. Anyway, we did mention about Rob Key and his, um, and him being managing director. What do you think are his key priorities in the next couple of months in terms of the mentality that he's going to set in English cricket, in terms of who's going to pick it as the captain and who's he going to pick as the um, uh, pick as a coach? Zane? What do you think are the key, you know, what are the priorities in terms of um, the decisions he's going to make and what he's going to factor in? He's got to look at, um, he's got to look at again, finding a coach first. And I think split coaches is better, really, for uh, one for red ball and one for white ball, because really, I just think, with Red Bull, it's like you're trying to do a Red Bull reset, so have one coach for that. And then White Bull, they're doing pretty well. They, they don't want to reset. They want to continue doing what they can. So I think having two different coaches would be uh, much better. But uh, I just think you've got to start with a coach and then have that coach help him decide who will be the next captain. That That's, for me, it'll be coach, um, two coaches, then next test captain with the coaches. That's why I think his priority should be. Mm. Yeah, I think the coaches by far, like, you know, captain-wise, you can you can put in, we're going to talk about, like, people we could have and the different routes you could take with captaincy. But I think that with a, with a captain, you uh, sorry, with a coach, you've got to have split coaches. Rob Key's already said he want, he's, he's hinted at that he wants to have split coaches, purely because if you're going to have a team that's one that needs a complete reset and a complete change in, you know, um, mentality in the culture in the team, and then one team that's already got a good mentality, you just got to keep it going and keep challenging them. You can't have the same coach because, you know, it's going to sort of mix in between each other. And it could actually ruin the white ball side. Um, in terms of uh, potential captains, for me, I think there's two distinct routes. You've got like players who are already in the team, such as Ben Stokes, which everyone's been saying, you know, he's going to be the, you know, he's a vice captain at the moment. He's a team that's continuously, his name's always on the team sheet, regardless of anything, you know, regardless of conditions, et cetera, un- unless he's injured. Um, you could have someone who's also got a lot of experience in um, Stuart Broad, who has captained the ODI and T20 teams way in the past. But then there's also the other route where you look sort of outside of your, you know, exclusive players who are always in the team and go to like more far-fetched players, such as um, Sa- um, Sam Billings, uh, Rory Burns. Say which route would you take and why? I would go with the players that already a team, especially considering you've got Stokes in there. Like Stokes is a great player. For me, I don't understand why you go with someone that's not really regular in the team. You know, someone like Billings, for example. He might be a good captain, but is that not just a bit of a waste of a place in the team? You know, even if he's a good captain, but like you've got eleven players, only that's not, eleven players isn't that much. If you have a waste of a player, that's like ten percent of your team gone. So obviously Billings isn't bad, but I just think. You've got to go with someone like Stokes, um, someone like him. Like for me, that's obvious choice. I just think you've got to go with someone like him who's regularly in the team and can continue performing. And um, yeah, he's a great player. And just think he's got that ability to captaincy. The only time I'd go with the other route is if you've got no other obvious option. But in this case, you have Stokes. Yeah, like I've seen a lot of articles suggesting you know you could put like people like Billings, Burns. You know, even James Vince, these people aren't even, you know, Rory Burns has been dropped because of poor performances and he's not going to be back in the team until he can string, you know, a decent performances um, for Surrey in the county championship, for example. Same with Sam Billings, he's not just been up to that level. He's been, he played because um, in the last test, but then there wasn't really much to play for. And it's just been, it's honestly just been a bit like, you know, we can't, there's no point in um, thinking about players who really aren't even going to fit your team. How can your 
captain be a player who can even not even make your team regularly, isn't it? It's like your captain's supposed to be uh, a player who that is like arguably one of the best in the team and who's regularly there so they can make the decision. So, but then obviously you've got the question, if if uh, um, Rob Key was to ask Ben Stokes, you know, do you want to be captain? What happens if he says no? Who would you put as like your short-term captain? Maybe if he wants to, let's just say he wants to do it in a year or two, for example. Well, who would be your like short-term captain, say? Then I think it's got to be broad, but then the issue comes that they're not even selecting him enough. That's just like, he didn't, he didn't even go to West, West Indies. But it's got to be broad. Like, broad's got to be playing and he's a great bowler. I just think short term, he can he can, he can can do captaincy. Or you go with someone like Burns, who again isn't really in that team very often anymore. But it's got to be either broad or Burns, but it's, 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 it's really difficult. I'm not really sure. But Or, or you go, go down a route with just short term billings. But yeah, for me, it's got to be someone, uh, someone like Broad because, like, I just can't go down the route of having someone who's not regularly in the team. That just doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, it just doesn't really make sense because, you know, you're wasting on that spot. And then, obviously, what's going to happen if, you know, you put someone like Billings or Burns and then perform, and because you waste that spot on someone else who could be, you know, a better player, then your performances don't go very good. Then what are you going to do? You know, it's just, it's just, then it becomes like rotation of captaincy or something. But, yeah, I think that um, Stuart Broad, especially with the English summer coming up, he will be playing. Him and Anderson probably will be playing. But he should have been playing anyway in West Indies, even if he were to leave Anderson out. We've already talked a lot about this in previous episodes, but Stuart Broad should have been playing. That's pretty much a fact. And I think that Rob Key is probably going to take a different approach and he will play um, Stuart Broad. Well, he will, him and the, um, it obviously depends on the coach as well. But I think the coach will want to stick with some experience and play Broad and possibly Anderson. Yeah, that's it from this episode of the Complete Cricket Podcast. Uh, it, it, a lot of exciting uh, cricket happened, and a lot of um, key things in the uh, in England in English cricket, including you know Joe Root stepping down and uh, Rob Key becoming managing director. There's still um, a lot to come in the IPL as well. So next week's going to be equally as jam packed, and hopefully a lot more you know um, centuries, you know bigs innings, and also wicket taking. You know um, we'll get a more clear idea I think next week of who where the positions are, and you know you've got your group that like leading the front at the moment. It's very congested. You know a lot of teams on eight points six points so it's very you know like sunrise has won three matches on the chart or four matches on the chart and suddenly just went up from last place to fourth so it's, it's still flexible so uh next week's gonna be more of a defining week for the ipl i think as we go into the middle of the season but yeah that's it from the completely cricket podcast thank you uh, for listening everyone and please uh subscribe share and like it really does help us but yeah thank you zade and that's it